This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Young Street has reopened between Shepherd and Finch, but the city is still reeling from Monday's horrific attack. Of course, one of the top of mind questions is what, if anything, can be done to prevent attacks like this? And should we change our physical streetscapes to provide more barriers to a vehicle that could be used as a weapon? I'm referring to things like bollards. And uh, for instance, we've been getting rid of some of our street parking to make way for cyclists. And now some people, including former chief planner Jennifer Keysmat, are musing about their usefulness as a protective barrier. I want to hear from you. What do you think? Uh, would you like to see more protective barriers on the street, or is that just uh, barricading ourselves in? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Right now, we are going to Ken Greenberg, who is an architect and a planner, and Albert Cole, who is an environmental lawyer and a bicycle advocate. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Hello. Hi, Hi Libby. Okay. Uh, Ken, let's start with you. Um, what's your take on this? Well, I think there's a, a temptation, obviously, to talk about starting to barricade streets. But honestly, there are real limitations to what that would accomplish. Um, we have thousands of kilometers of streets and sidewalks. Uh, For the most part, our sidewalks in Toronto are too narrow, Uh, too many people trying to use them. It simply is completely impractical to think about erecting barriers that would prevent vehicles along all these sidewalks. The perpetrators of such crimes are looking for soft targets. They will always find them. Um, And even if in the extreme you were to barricade all the sidewalks, every time pedestrians walk across a crosswalk, they would be vulnerable. So I I think, and, you know, I see what they've done in front of Union Station now, uh, throwing in those concrete barriers where you already had bollards. Um, I think it's a a kind of knee-jerk reaction that has um, very limited ability to stop acts like this. I, I think what it, I'm going to make an interesting connection that I'm, I'm thinking about now in the aftermath of this, and that is um, you might think that events like this make us withdraw from public space, be afraid of each other, um, step away from engagement with others in public, but uh, in truth, it makes it even more imperative that we do so. And I think of New York in the aftermath of 9-11, when people um, boldly pushed forward as New Yorkers defying the tragedy and saying we will stand together and we'll do so in our streets and parks and public spaces. 
And I think what we're seeing in Toronto is a very similar reaction. Yeah, with those, with all those people coming to those uh, vigils, Albert, um, what's your take on this? Uh, you've always seen vehicles as dangerous things. Um, would you like to see more barriers? Um, first, I'd say, yeah, we don't want to turn our city into a fortress. I mean, there are definitely some uses for barriers for everyday safety. So I think we would simply be adding to the tragedy here if we pretend uh, that, um, uh, you know, we, we can protect people everywhere. We know the vulnerability of pedestrians, not just on sidewalks or, or cyclists, not just in bike lanes. It's also at intersections and so on. But So I think if this tragedy takes us away from the everyday or the project of making walking and cycling safer every day, I think we'd simply be adding to the tragedy. There are places where barriers can be useful. For example, we've talked about a separated bike lane where you're protected by uh, cement curbs. Uh, you know, bollards are going to protect you from, uh, certainly from people mistaking the bike lane for a place they should be driving. But if we're simply going to uh, turn our city or try to, you know, respond by turning our city into a fortress, we're probably going to be uh, failing in a number of ways. Um, what about parking? I found it very interesting that, uh, of all people, Jennifer Kiesmet is saying, hmm, you know, that street parking that we've been getting rid of, maybe uh, it has a good function. Uh, Ken, what do you think of that? Should we be allowing more street parking? Well, you know, I, I come back to my earlier point. We we don't have room on all getting a, I, I think I'm almost I'm going to agree with with my colleague. I think we should be talking about these things in terms of our normal concerns about whether the parking is appropriate, how we protect cyclists, pedestrians, how we deal with safety. But if we think we're going to armor the city with surface parking, um, I, I think we're, we're simply falling into a, a delusionary trap. There isn't room for surface parking on every street in the city, and people who are intent on carrying out these acts would simply find the places where there isn't on-street parking. I mean, the whole, I think what's emerged here is we now understand that anybody who can go and rent a truck or a car or has one who's determined to go out and kill people, innocent people, randomly can find soft places in the city where you can do that. And we're never going to find a way to make all of the targets hardened, so to speak, uh, and, and remove such places from the city unless we all stay indoors. Uh, is, is there a value uh, to even a temporary... Um increase in these things. I'm, I'm reminded that after that terrible attack on the Christmas market in Germany, uh, there were temporary barriers put up um, near a Christmas market here, I guess with the thought that they wanted to prevent a copycat. Uh, does that make sense? Well, I, I think when you have special events like that, um, keeping vehicles out and some, you know, we sometimes use dump trucks or um, large vehicles to create temporary barriers. Um, I, I can see cordoning off areas in the city where you're going to have large crowds or around sports events or so on. Uh, I, I can see the utility of that, but I don't, I don't think trying to do that everywhere all the time makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'd say uh, um, 
you know, a lot of these questions are best left to security experts. I mean, what uh, what I can talk about in terms of everyday uh, safety, we, we know the vulnerability of uh, pedestrians and cyclists every day. And that's, the you know, one of the big projects we've undertaken in the city as a, you know, as a part of the Vision, Vision Zero uh, plan. So, for example, for the last 50 years, we've widened roads, taken out buffers, uh, grass buffers and so on from sidewalks. Now you stumble off the sidewalk, you, you might well be in, in front of a car. And that's, you know, some of the one thing that exactly happened to a five-year-old on the waterfront path a couple of years ago, uh, you know, just you know, lost his balance and ended up in front of a car. Now, that's just poor planning. There should be a wider buffer there. That's a place subsequently that they put in a, a barrier, a steel a barrier or at least a metal barrier. But that's, you know, that, that's obviously going to work in an everyday situation, but not for someone who's looking for a soft target. Uh, And Ken, what about the aesthetics of this? Uh, If cities are going to uh, be moving to using this more, you know, how do you make, how do you, how do you uh, figure out how not to make them so ugly? Well, I, you know, I, I think this is a problem. I, you know, I go back to what they've done around Union Station now, where they had installed um, steel bollards all across the front where the taxis are stopping. And I, I just went by there today on my bike and saw that they just dropped in all these um, concrete jersey barriers. And, you know, if you look at the American embassies and consulates around the world, they're designed like tank traps. Um, you can pretend that these are um, landscape features and, and try and dress them up a little bit, but um, generally they look like what they are. And if if you you go to other cities in the world where people truly are afraid of each other and they have fortified the cities, and not only do you see all these barriers and fences, but you actually see uh, rent-a-cops everywhere. You see people with uh, submachine guns. I mean, that at the end of the day, that's where all this leads, and it makes people afraid of each other, and it diminishes public life, and ultimately, I think it makes us all more vulnerable. Uh- what cities are you referring to, and are there cities, I mean, you seem to be happy with the way New York is handling it. Well, uh, you know, New York, uh, I'll come back to that, but look what happened along the West Side Highway, where you do have everyday barriers for separating cyclists from pedestrians on the West Way, and somebody did something very similar to what happened on Young Street, um, and mowed people down, and I'm, I'm not sure... There's a way you could design the entire stretch of the West Side Highway up along the island of Manhattan to make it uh, tank-proof almost, which is what you would have to do. But the cities I'm referring to, for example, um, I was in Bogota, and you go through any of the residential neighborhoods now, and every building is behind some kind of barricade, locked fences, uh, the presence of people with guns on the streets, and I, I don't think we want to go there. Yeah, I thought Bogota was actually uh, getting better than it used to be. Well, that's true, but still. Um, and do, do you have a view on that, Albert? 
on the aesthetics of it? Uh, well, well, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, one of the things we're, we're trying to do is is build a city where we have uh, more pedestrians, more cyclists, and that necessarily is going to mean uh, fewer cars. Uh, um, you know, there was a, a project in the '50s where, where even our you know roads commissioner said we're going to you know we're going to widen the roads and we're going to take away a sidewalk space because no one's using the sidewalk. Well, I think you know that uh, kind of uh, planning is is really out of date. Uh, so. We can make our city more attractive and at the same time safer for everyday uses by having narrower roads, wider sidewalks, bigger buffers, more bike lanes. All of those things, sort of our city building projects, make our city a better place to live and at the same time a safer place to live. So that's a project that's ongoing now. And as I've mentioned before, I think it'd be a real tragedy if we say, let's you know, let's move away from our everyday safety project and, and try to deal with this uh, this type of risk which is very, very difficult, according to the experts, to, to uh, uh, protect ourselves against. But there are things we can do every day. We've had 20 people killed uh, this year already on our roads, We've had hundreds of injuries, thousands of collisions. I mean, there are things we can do uh, to make our city a better place, and we're doing it now, so let's not move away from that. Okay, guys, hang on. Let's uh, hear from some of our listeners. We've got Bob in Hamilton. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm not too bad. Um, I have a thought about uh, the tragedy. Uh, what if people um, walked on the sidewalk facing traffic and you could spot some clown coming at you uh, and it would move the pedestrians quicker if everybody's going the same direction? Um, I guess, but they, they what would stop them from, uh, you know, driving down the wrong way? <laughs> well, yeah, they'd have to come from the other side of the road and surely uh, something would happen. Before he got to the other side. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's an interesting thought. Thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Let's go to Victor in Etobicoke. Hi, Victor. Yeah, how you doing? Fine, how are you? Good, good. Listen, I got a thought, too, but uh, that, that sidewalk thing, I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, I don't want to keep going straight. I want to turn around and walk the other way, too, you know. But anyways, um, I was thinking about cameras. Mm-hmm. Okay, now... You got you got you got the cameras where you can't put the barricades. You get the cameras put up there. They, they monitor the police. They monitor some guy. This guy's they can bring the police there as quick as they can to see what's going on there or see if they can see what he's doing or. Yeah, but or, I think the police were there as quick as they could be. I mean, the guy. Oh, was, they were great. They he were wasn't great. trying not to get caught. No, that's exactly. But then there's another thing. Yep. This country that I love is too free. They, they're coming here because they know there's no death warrant. They know they're not going to get killed. They're coming here, and they know nothing's going to happen to them. We this have is, to uh, put a this, stop to that. It, this this person uh, was uh, is Canadian, born and bred. Oh, I Thanks, understand. Victor. Let's go to uh, Bernie in Mississauga. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Libby. Uh, yeah, it's quite a subject, but uh, I don't think there's any barriers you can make, Libby, to prevent what goes on unless people take an in-depth look on society what divides the races, the sexes, the languages, uh, the nationalities and everything until they start taking an in-depth look on what, what's happened to the family and the breakup of the family and the morality in society. You're always going to have this. So unless they're ready to hit the, the problem head on and take an inward look at themselves, they're not going to solve it. Okay. Thanks, Bernie, for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
I, I'm not sure there were any suggestions uh, that, that would be useful there. I don't think that the cameras uh, would have stopped uh, these perpetrators. Uh, so, uh, Ken, are you saying that some of these, uh, you know, quick responses are basically political? I, I, you know, I think politicians need to feel like they're doing something. It's, it's visible. It's a sign of activity. I, I understand that. But I think, uh, and even as some of the callers were suggesting, uh, in this case, it seems, I, I, my big concern is what happens in these dark places on the Internet where, uh, you know, for all the wonderful things that um, the digital world has brought us, it's created places where people like him meet, incite each other, encourage each other. I think, you know, the fact that the last thing he did before he got in that truck and and started to drive down Young Street from Finch and try to hit people was to telegraph his intentions to the people he speaks to in terms of his misogyny and his celebration of violence against women. And I, I think one of the things we can do and we're becoming more conscious of is to pay more attention to that internet world and what's going on there and people who are announcing their intentions or their desire to do these kinds of things. Uh, interesting. Uh, that's going to be uh, our next uh, topic coming up after the break is uh, those corners of the internet. Uh, and Albert, what, what would you what would you like to leave us with? Well, um, I, I think uh, Ken is right. I mean, we shouldn't um, uh, you know confuse this as as a road safety issue. And I, as I've said, I think we would simply be compounding the, the tragedy if if our response is one that uh, deals with with a risk that uh, is very you know is is going to be very rare but very hard to deal with. Uh, uh, there are uh, things that we're doing every day to increase the safety on our roads, and let's, uh, keep, let, let's focus on that. Okay, thank you so much, Albert Cole, environmental lawyer and bike advocate with Bells on Bloor, and Ken Greenberg, planner and architect. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, that uh, violent, nasty online group uh, that this guy was apparently a part of and groups like it. Uh, The numbers to call before we go to break, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.